we're fortunate. Uh, we got Lori Kroninski running for school board. Man, I'll bet you if, if you asked her, she'd give you a sign. You could put it up in her yard. You know, we got uh, John Hammercheck, Christians that are county commissioner. Lori Payne out in Ashtabula. Jim's uh, running for judge, folks. Uh, folks, we are here to change the world. And some of these people, you know, where you go, it's tough. And where they go, it can be tough, too. Let's support uh, those who take on the task of being in politics. Not an easy thing to do, but to support and to, to change a school board, whatever it might be. So, Jesus... As we prepare our hearts today to hear from you, we want to make sure that, uh, give you thanks for those who seem to be growing more and more and, and want to get involved and, and want to make a difference uh, from, the, from the judge's bench to the school and everywhere in between. We ask, Lord Jesus, that uh, you would guard and protect those that are running for office. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us continue to put Christians in places of power and position May they humble themselves, continue. Remember, who is the boss? Who is the master? And each and every one of us today, we might need to be reminded who's the master. We might have, as human beings tend to be, we might have begun to slip a little bit away from seeing who you are and making sure you're number one in our lives. Will you prepare our hearts to be able to do that today? Change our hearts. If they're headed in the wrong direction, we give you permission. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Morning, everybody. How you doing today? Everybody doing good today. Thank you so very much. I have uh, uh, at the top of your notes something I want to talk to you about here in just a second. But, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought that you were the exception to the rule. You ever thought, uh, I I'm the exception to the rule? Or you know an exception to the rule, like yeah, I got this graphic up here. Has there ever been a time when you thought, you know, that this is a good time to make a U-turn, even though it's not allowed? How many of you have ever been driving down the freeway, past the exit you were going to, and said, man, the next one is a long way away? And then you, there's one confession right there. May you be forgiven of that. <laughs> I've, I've certainly never done that. Oh, Lord, I should not lie in church. <laughs> and you just thought, you know, I'm in a hurry. The best thing is, is if you have a pregnant wife in the car. Police will almost always understand that. You thought, you know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. There should be an exception to this. I have a friend who really has a really tough time when it comes to going to a place and they got all these handicap signs. I'm not opposed to handicap signs. But when you go to a place and there's 15 handicap signs and there's nobody parking in them and you think to yourself, well, I must be the exception to the rule because somebody ought to be parking in. They ought to be using this space. They, they paid big bucks to have it paved and, and striped and everything. The exception to the rule, it might be taxes. You know, it always seems to be, there should be an exception to the amount of taxes you have to pay. And in your notes, if you're new here, there's a set of um, paper notes in your program there. There's also a smartphone. Uh, pull your smartphone out, go to the Bible app, lower right-hand corner, tap on those three lines, go to the live event, and all of the notes and everything are right there. Uh, just a tad less on my volume here, okay? And I have at the top of your notes, I'm the exception, Right? I'm the exception. Everybody here, you know you've done it. How many adults here have said to their kids, I'm the exception to the rule? A dessert is at the end after you eat all your vegetables. I know a lot of adults, they don't like vegetables. They'll go straight to the dessert. And when you become an adult, it's kind of nice to say to your kids, well, I'm having dessert first. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I'm the exception to the rule. 
Do you know I've had people come to me and tell me that their pastor, where they were at, taught tithing, but said he didn't have to. He thought he was the exception to the rule, right? Sometimes pastors, I, I would never think that I'm the <laughs> but they kind of tend to think that, and I'll bet your boss or the person who owns the company you work for, maybe the foreman, whoever, I'll bet you they think, you know, you have a half hour, I know, Tim, yeah, for lunch, or you give your employees an hour, whatever it is, but you can take two hours if you want to get away, watch your son play golf, whatever it might be. You're the exception to the rule. And sometimes I think, I find, I talk to Christians, I think sometimes it ebbs into each and every one of us, we tend to think, oh, we become followers of Jesus Christ. We read stories and we read teachings about Pharisees, but we're the exception to the rule. We're kind of the exception. When we read it, it's like, oh, that's not even talking about me. I'm a Christian. And I would like to say to you today, do you think that you're now the exception to principles and rules that Jesus taught, even though you think it might not be directed at you. That is a danger, and I want us to talk about that today. In your notes, I have the phrase, who makes the rules, right? Who makes the rules? Does God make the rules? Do I make the rules? Luke, the 16th chapter, it's in your notes there. I hope you have your Bible with you. It's always good to have your Bible. Write some things in your Bible, some notes and stuff, and, uh, so that you might have it whenever you turn back to it. Luke, the 16th chapter, verse 13. Jesus is talking, and he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the reason he's teaching this, verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. I have no idea what a sneering Pharisee looks like, but I'd kind of like to get a picture. Yeah, Dave, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Number one in your notes, fill it in with me. The exception. Is it possible that when we ask the question, who makes the rules, that we might think that we're the exception to the rule? Folks, let me remind you that we have in Washington and in politics a group of people who think they are the exception to the law, exception to the rule. We call it the swamp, call it whatever it is you want. Is it possible that it could be Christians? who think we're the exception to the rule, and they start to have another master other than the master. Notice Jesus uses two words. No one. Now, does that cover Christians? Would that cover us? Would that exclude anybody here? No one, be careful not to think you're the exception to the rule. Jesus is talking to Pharisees. He's not talking to me. See, there's this principle in mankind. Every human being serves some master you were made not as the master you were made and there are certain things and there are certain pulls and there's a sinful nature and there's a spirit that pulls us in one direction or another there's a principle that mankind is serving someone or something even if it's something good why do you think jesus used this exaggerated hyperbole statement and said unless you hate your mother your father your brother and sister you can't be my disciple why would he use that exaggeration unless the possibilities are that we could put our family, our husbands, our wives, our kids before Jesus Christ? It could be a good thing. Is there anything wrong with being the best athlete you can be? Not at all. Except when it comes to the place where it becomes your master. Everything's got to be built in and around. Your time, your effort, your money. And Jesus Christ is left out of everything. Is there any problem with people that may want to retire early? 
except that they put everything, time, effort, and money into that, and they, they leave the church out of it. They leave Jesus Christ out of it. Getting debt-free, having a job. You know, folks, everybody has three things in their life they apply to almost everything, time, treasure, and talent. You put time into many, many different things, and that's what you've been given, time. Imagine this. There come a time when there'll be no more time. Eternity exists right now. But while you have time, you're responsible. Where's your time go? How do you divide it up? Treasures, the money that you have, the cars that you have, the home that you have, the things that you have, what are they there for? Your talent. Who's giving it to you? Who, who's honing it? I hope you've gotten better and better at whatever it is you're good at, but is it offered up for your boss only, or do you work as unto the Lord? Whatever your talent, whatever your gift is, we have to be careful we don't think that we're the exception. We may not like to hear it, but someone or something is every one of our masters. We're not even the master of our own domain, we think we are. And what is it that that could possibly be? What does the word master mean? It basically is a control agent. I don't mean that to just sound cold, but it's a control agent, whatever it is that controls me. You know, it could be something that's addictive, like it could be alcohol, it, it could be gambling. I mean, I don't know if any of you know this, but did you know that when they brought the casinos to Cleveland, they made the casinos put aside $9 million at that time? I don't know. $9 million for counseling for those who are addicts, who would be addicted to gambling. I hope that you're not a part of any part of any of that. But it's like they already knew about it, and they did it anyway. They knew it was going to harm people, and they did it anyway. Does God hold my money? He's talking to the audience here. Trust me. Money is not the only master, but he knew his audience. He, he knew his audience once there. Does God have control of my money or do I? Can he move my heart to give to a cause? Can he move my heart to help somebody at Walmart? Somebody that needs help. Somebody you pass. We always kind of want to say, you know, that person's probably going to take that money and do something wrong with it. I know. Isn't it? I just find it extremely interesting that Jesus didn't say, you know, only help those who you know are really going to be good stewards of it. Who makes the rules? Do we think that we're the exception? Smart Christians know that they can easily slip into a place where other things and other people become our masters. They fight to keep Jesus as their master. Number two, sometimes Christians think that we're the exception. God says, no, those are polar opposites. Those are polar opposites. In the last couple of weeks, I've just really, I don't know why the topic keeps coming. I'm with couples, and it's amazing how polar opposite they are. You think, well, these two couples, they'll never get together, but they got together, and they know it, and they're so polar opposite. One person, we were at dinner the other day, the, the guy it took the conversation the whole time. He looked over at his wife about an hour later and said, have I dominated the conversation? And naive look, yes, dear. <laughs> you know? Somebody talks a lot, somebody's extremely quiet. The opposites of people. And you start to think, you know, I don't know if I could get along with this person. Make sure. Sometimes uh, everybody here who is married to an opposite knows they compliment you. So everybody here knows that. But when they're polar opposites, Jesus comes and he says, these are polar opposites than what you think. And this is the kind of polar opposite that isn't a good thing. He says either. Everybody here knows what that word means. Either means it's one or the other. Either does not mean both. You, you know that. It means one or the other. He says you'll either hate one and love the other or vice versa. When we choose, 
whatever our master might be. Whatever that might be, when Jesus becomes second, because there is no third place. Jesus said there's, there's two places, first and everything else. We hate or we love, and when we choose anything over Jesus, it shows where our love is. When we trust anything other than Jesus, it shows that we don't put him first. We don't value him. We don't trust him. When we put our faith in something, those are terms that are reserved for our Savior, for Jesus Christ. The opposite is also true when we choose Jesus Christ over convenience. That's one thing we have learned to be so convenient. But when Christians choose uh, what is inconvenient and they just say whatever Jesus Christ wants, we show him we love him, he goes on and says you either hate or you love or you're devoted or you despise one or the other. You can't love both masters, especially when it comes to Jesus because they're polar opposites. Now, who here is going to say, I despise Jesus? But it isn't a matter of what I think. It's a matter of who gets to define it. I don't define what shows that I am devoted to Jesus. He defines it. Whatever I decide is not, not what's right. I mean, everybody here, if you have a boss, you know, there's a lot of snowflakes that are out in the world today. They're very gentle. They, they, they don't want their feelings hurt. You know, they go and they get a job, and their boss tells them they're not doing a very good job, and they think they're doing a great job. Now, who gets to determine? If you're doing a great job or not a great job, do you who's worked there six months get to determine if you're doing a good job? Or does your boss, that has done it, or your foreman, or the owner of the business, they're the ones that define if you're doing a good job, and Jesus Christ defines what it means to have him be my master. And money's not the only thing we put before Jesus. I can remember giving my life to Christ and struggling through my music. Everybody all right here today? My music. The music. Remember, sis? The music, the records. We used to have LP plastic records, everybody. The ones that I used to play the drums to. You know, Led Zeppelin, stuff like that. You know, stuff I still like but I will not listen to because so much music is op opposed, diametrically opposed to the cause of Christ and the teachings of Christ. I know that there's some music out there and it's neutral, I get that. But what about saying, well, this is what I like, this is what motivates me. I don't think we really want to hear any of the music that a lot of sports players have on in their earbuds when they're getting ready. You know, our music, our, our entertainment, you know, we like this type of entertainment even though it's not really godly and it paints women this way or it paints sexuality that way. We just like our entertainment, movies, whatever it might be, hobbies. You know a big, big one today that's master of many people's domains? Social media. Oh, man, we love our social media and we love your social media because we like to look on and think how big you think you are. We look at it and say, they couldn't possibly. Oh, man, don't get me started. How addicted are we to social media that we couldn't say for seven days, I'm off? Or forever and eternity, I'm off? Man, we like, especially when we tell everybody, look where I'm at, look what I'm doing. Have we become the masters of our own domain, using that to have everybody point to us? Don't tell yourself you're strong, as you used to be a strong Christian. Tell yourself now. Check yourself now. 
that you are a strong Christian, that Jesus Christ is the master of your domain. How deep is your relationship with Jesus? Are you growing? Are you trusting him more? Have you taken the things of the past and say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about this this time. I've seen what he's done. Are you putting your faith in him for more? Are you growing? Nobody's arrived, but are you on the path upward to make sure Jesus is master of everything? Do we think that we're the exception to the rule and that Jesus is going to be okay with us choosing the either rather than him? What is my either What might your either master be? Verse 15, Jesus said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Number three, you know, we're talking about, you know, who who makes the rules? Who's the one that makes all the commands? This comes along here, and I kind of look at it as Christians might think they have a good reason. Do we think we have good reasons, you know? We read about the Pharisees, and we say, I'm not a Pharisee, so it doesn't apply to me. Will you, after today, may you never say that again. May you look at the teachings gave to Pharisees. May you look at the teachings Jesus gave to the teachers of the law, the religious people, the uh, Sadducees, and may you challenge yourself to say, has any of that crept into my faith or my life? Difference. What's the difference between a reason and an excuse? Somebody shows up late for work. That never happens, I'm sure, at Caps. Somebody shows up late for work where you're at, and they say, hey, boss, uh, the traffic was bad. Okay. Second week, late, a couple different days. The traffic, you just never can calculate. The third week, the fourth week, traffic, traffic. At some point, it isn't a reason. It becomes an excuse because everybody else is on time. They leave 15 minutes earlier. It doesn't take a brainiac to get that. But we think it's a reason. No, no, it's become an excuse. And I look here and Jesus says, you know, you're the ones who are justifying yourself. That, that's making an excuse. You're the ones who are tilting and turning God's truth to search your situation, to suit your situation. Whatever it is for you, you think you have a good enough reason and it's become an excuse. Somehow what I do justifies me acting like a Pharisee. I'm a Christian. I'm safe, except Jesus said, no one. No one would include us. No one can serve two masters. Somehow what I do justifies me acting like a Pharisee. He says, but you've justified yourself, look at this, in the eyes of others. It's no pressure from people, pressure from family. Spoke with a lady who uh, lost her son and she's going to a funeral today. And everybody that's doing the part of the funeral, and everybody's a part of it, they don't want any mention of God because they're mad at God. And she basically said, you know what? I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, and I'm going to quote a passage of Scripture, and my nephew is doing the same thing. She doesn't care what other people may say. She's not influenced. There's a little bit of pressure. We all get it, and every one of us, we've got to be careful about that to not get the pleasure and the, the uh, permission of, of people over and above our God. And she says today, I, I am reading this. And that's courage. That's knowing who the master is. That's knowing who creation is. In the eyes of others, you know, what God thinks and what the Bible teaches, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it kind of somehow gets to the back of our mind. You know, uh, husbands and wives, I'll tell you a true story of, of a husband and a wife. Uh, uh, one of them began to grow in Christ. For the longest time, they were just right there. Pretty kind of, I would say, carnal. 
She began to grow in Christ. She began to come to Bible study. She began to stop doing some things she knew wasn't right. And her husband said, you're not any fun anymore. They stopped coming to the church, I think, so that they could go somewhere where that could be given permission to do. I honestly don't know if she's still walking in holiness and what God calls us to walk in. I mean, how deep is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you trusting him more and more? We can find someone to give us a reason, excuse for anything that we want to do. We can find somebody to say, you know what? You know, you, you, you really don't need to be in church all the time. You know, that, that's really a good reason. And man, please, it's really tough constantly sporting events and different things like that. Somehow or another, we think teaching our kids that that's okay to miss, that that's going to be a greater, a positive thing. Wouldn't it be true that you would teach them something that's going to last for eternity and that there's a God who cares about them? Do you know how many times I've talked to people? If you're brand new to this church, if you're a Christian, a new Christian, I'm not talking to you right now. It's amazing to me how many people will find a reason not to tithe. Oh, well, you know, I have good reason not to tithe. I can't really afford this. I can't really, and it's been years and you haven't even tried to grow into it. Or you tithed it one time and you thought it was prosperity and you stopped doing it. You haven't even began to put your faith in and say, you know, boy, to get to 10%, that maybe let me just start here and let me see what Jesus does. And then when he proves himself, like he said he would, you can get to the place where it's a tithe. It is amazing. I can tell you story. I can tell you a story of a woman who was widow for most of her life, who tithed all the time, and when we had a building fund, we told her not to give to it, but she said, you're not going to rob me of this. You're not going to rob me of this blessing. And that woman, all the days of her life, had the smile on her face and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ in her heart. What is her excuse? What is it that we say, you know, I got a good reason for this. Are you a consumer at church? My wife and I, when she isn't working, we spend time in prayer at the altar like I ask all of you to do before service. And the thing we thank Jesus for is servants that show up ahead of time. They're getting food ready. They're getting music ready. They're getting the place ready. They're making sure they're doing all kinds of things. Some people who normally this would be the only day they sleep in, they come here to serve. Do you just come and consume and you think you have a good reason to do it? When Jesus Christ is the master of the church, the head of the church, and he says, you all got gifts, now use them and serve. The passage goes on to say you justify yourself in the eyes of other people, and God knows your heart. Don't you just love the, the power of the testimony and the life of Noah in a world that was turning against God? Not just a few people. He had his sons and their wives. He spends years and years in faith and obedience building an ark when I guess the, the, he had never seen rain. Don't you just love the fact that he turned away from all the things that the world would offer and he said, I will obey my God. Be careful not to think you have a good reason to disobey the master because you have another master. You cannot have two. And number three, I'm sorry, number four, is treasured trash. <laughs> we think we have a reason. God says all that stuff is treasured trash. Look at verse 15, uh, the second sentence again. 
what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. People, I, I know, Doug, I, I know your wife, Cindy, she can take trash and turn it into something she can sell and make money for. I was at your house this week. I mean, it's just amazing. They can take something everybody thinks is trash, and then, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that people think are highly valued that God says, throw it out. This is number four, treasure, trash. What people value highly, Jesus has already mentioned money. We tend to really love the cars we drive around in, the homes we have, and I get that and understand it. I am not talking bad about rich people because the truth of the matter is in this world, everybody here is rich. I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about because the Bible says it's not money, it's the love of money. I have friends who are some of the richest people I've ever known, and they are always behind the scenes, always constantly helping somebody that doesn't know who it is. I know there's all kinds of people here like that always, here today. It's not hard to impress people, everybody. Eh, A house, you know, a position, a job, whatever it might be, it's not hard to impress people. I mean, you you have a young guy who takes up cutting grass, and one summer he makes $500, and he's bragging to a man who owns a landscaping business who made three-quarters of a million dollars. Sometimes that's kind of how it is. We're bragging about our whatever it is, become our master, and God's like, are you kidding me? Nothing compared to what I have to offer because every human being is a servant to someone or something. It's just a human principle. Now, put that in an adult scale, and here God comes and he says, those things can be detestable. They're detestable in God's sight. And I say, whoa, Evan, is God disgusted with my choices, my lifestyle, what I value highly? I think about so many stories in the Scripture to teach us different. The story of the calling of a king for, for Israel. And Samuel has heard from God, hey, go to Jesse, one of his sons is going to be... Uh, one of the sons is going to be the new king. Now, you would think if he told him one of Jesse's sons, he could have told him exactly who it was, but he didn't, and that's so you and I could learn something. Jesse has his oldest son come by. Samuel says, nope, that's not him. Second one, nope, nope. They all look fine. They all look good. They're all warriors. We find out a little bit later. And Samuel says, is this all you got? He said, well, we got a little pipsqueak out in the, out in the field. We got a little young kid out there. <laughs> he couldn't possibly be king. He's, he's shepherding. Some sheep. He says, nobody's sitting down. We're not having a bite to eat till he comes. And he comes, and the Lord says to Samuel, this is the man, anoint him. Now, don't you know, from that time to the fight that they had with Goliath the Philistine, the brothers did not like their youngest brother. Folks, God does that with pipsqueaks. I'm living proof right here. God does that for people who will humble themselves. The passage of Scripture goes on to say, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Stop and think about what you value highly. Does God value it highly, or is it highly disgusting to him? Now, in your notes I put, what does the master offer? Because we've already learned that every one of us is a servant to something, and our master offers us something. Whatever it is that masters us, it offers something to you and to me. I mean, in an investment, if you want your money and you want your return right now, would you put it in the bank, in a checking or a savings account? What do they give you? Not even a half of 1%? 
But if you wanted it long-term and you wanted about 5%, you wanted more, you would put it off and you would wait for the future. Every master offers something that is temporary and now and something that is future and eternal. Everyone. What does money offer? It offers some great things. It offers comfort. It offers status. It offers you know, some compelling different things, ease of life. But once again, they are temporary. But we're intelligent people here, right? We know that there is an eternity in existence right now, right? There's an eternity right now where millions of people are. Possibly billions of people are. And so we ask ourselves, what does God the Father offer? What does the Master offer us? Forgiveness of sin. What other Master that you, do you have that could offer that to you? That would offer up His Son. And then a relationship with the Spirit of God to give us one with the Father through Jesus Christ. The Trinity becomes a part of our hearts and our lives. Before the day of Pentecost, nobody had what we have. How, what is the, he offers us eternal life. Don't get deceived or fooled into thinking He offers you healing and a bowl full of cherries, and every, you're a Christian, everything will be great. You just obey God. That is a lie. That would have to make an excuse. We'd have to somehow say, well, every one of you Christians who was martyred or thrown in jail for your faith, maybe we need to apologize, you know? What does the master offer? I got, I got a graphic up here. I got a graphic so that you know and understand this is what your master values, the souls of people. He, he values the souls of people. And if we understand that the greatest resource on the planet is his creation, his people, rises far above any other master that there may be. Now in your notes, just the asterisk there, if you'll fill it in with me, it's simple, you know it already, I know you know it. I uh, Just make a decision to serve only one master. And the reason I said that is because you're thinking possibly you can serve two or three, or four. See, when you choose one master, you unchoose another master. When you put the checkbox in and say, this is my master, you've unchosen another. I didn't say it. Jesus said you can't serve two. And you certainly can't serve three and four. Jesus said you've got to make a decision. Don't you love, <laughs> once again, people that teach us things? God's working with Abraham. He's stumbling a little bit. He's learning his faith. And God gets him to this place where he says, offer up your son, your only son. And he packs it up. He heads out. And the scripture gives us some insight into the, uh, in, the book, in the New Testament. Abraham had reasoned that God could raise his son from the dead. And literally speaking, he did. Who was Abraham's master? Maybe a little while ago, he wouldn't have been able to do or say that, but he was able to. And maybe you're just growing to that place. That's a good place to be. So uh, in your notes, I just have at the bottom, be the example to the rule, not, not the exception. If I was to ask you to pull out your prayer list, and I hope you have a prayer list, I hope that there's some things that you write. You know, six days a week, leave Sunday open for worshiping Jesus Christ and Him only. And if you were to have your prayer list out today, and you might consider James, the fourth chapter, verses 2 and 3, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Anybody here ever get started doing something? 
And you think, doggone it, I forgot to pray about this. I forgot to talk to Christ about this. I forgot to maybe have some counseling about this. Talk to somebody. You get, I've done, you're like, wait a minute, I could have had a V8. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive because when you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Whatever is, you ask for things, you know. Here I am, I'm ready, could you give it all to me? I like the story of Esther. Esther's in the court of the one man that can save Israel, the Hebrew people. And she's kind of battling a little bit with her, Mordecai, you know, am I going to do what's right? Or? And so she says, you know what? Let's have three days of prayer and fasting. Three days of prayer and fasting. I will go before the king, and if that day if the king lifted his, his uh, scepter, you, you could come. If he didn't, you were dead. So there are three days, and she was willing to put her life on the line for the master. She knew what the master was. She knew what was most important to God. It was people. Our master is our master. He continually helps us know and understand what is most important. On your prayer list, if every one of your prayers got answered today, bammo, by the end of the day, every prayer is answered. What's, what's happening? Did you get the job you wanted? The raise you wanted? The girl you wanted? The guy you wanted? Did you get to retire early like you wanted? Did you get the healing that you wanted? Notice that none of those things are bad. But what is on our prayer list speaks to what is in our heart. Anybody in your family got saved today? Could you have your, their name? Anybody new in church with you? Because you'd be saying, Jesus, bring that person to church with me. You know, is your church a light to the community? Everything that we do and what we do is to reach new people and, and then disciple them. Are you inviting anybody? Children, are your children, your prayer list, your children have the best spouse in the world, they have a great home, and they have a great job. But they're not serving Jesus, and heaven help, they would become a missionary or something other that would put, no, 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 don't, don't send my child there. Send somebody else's kid. We ask ourselves today, you know, if we're going to be the example, we want to make sure that we measure our Christian faith with two things, the two greatest commands. Number one, you want to know how mature you are? When you think about what Jesus treasures more than what you treasure. You think about what it is he wants. He's my master. That's where Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second command can be said this way. It's when we think about others more and more. Maybe we're a new Christian, but more and more we're thinking about other people. We're thinking about others. We're not thinking about ourselves. What is, for me? What is good for me? What it is I like? We're thinking about other people. That's where Jesus said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Treat others as you would want to be treated. Uh, Dave, if you could come, I, I want to close with just a time of prayer. And I want to let you know that you're welcome to use the altar this morning. Sometimes, myself included, we get other things in our way. We get things in our heart. We get things in our way. Other things, you know, begin to take over as master, but we get it. And so we begin to fight against it. Are you like me? It possible you might need to just spend a couple minutes at the altar today. As we close in prayer, you know that you are welcome to come. You come and you say to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're number one in my life. You're number one. Sometimes, Lord, I confess I've put something else there, someone else there. And as we get time to just spend a little bit of quiet time with Jesus Christ, 
you just come talk to him. He loves you. He understands. He gets it. But every time you do something like this to make him master, it'll be stronger and stronger in your life. You come as the Spirit of God leads. If you're here today, maybe with everybody's head bowed and they're praying, maybe you would just slip your hand up today. Maybe you can't come to the altar for whatever reason. You want to make sure you say to Jesus Christ, you are my master. You would slip your hand up. We'll pray together. Thanks. And Jesus, so we kind of just bear our heart to you. Every one of us, including myself today, things of the world can so easily slip in, Lord. Your spirit has spoken to us. We don't want to be the exception to the rule. We want to be the example. We give you permission to speak to our hearts today. We give you permission to convict us. It's a good thing. Make us feel guilty about what it is that we need to get in line and get you back as the master in the center of our hearts and lives because what you have to offer, no other master can offer. forgiveness of our sins eternal life a relationship with Jesus Christ walking in this world with the best friend we could ever have Jesus we pray in Jesus name today